Welcome to Journey in the Word with Pastor Randy Mosher of Calvary Chapel, the Cumberland Valley. We are located in Hagerstown, Maryland. Please join us every weekday as our pastor takes us verse by verse through a book of the Bible. Today, we're picking up in the book of Philippians. In this book, Paul calls the church in Philippi to live lives that reflect Christ, even in times of persecution. Remembering this, to live as Christ, to die as gain. So if you're able, grab your Bibles and join us as we continue our journey in the Word. My encouragement as a pastor is you guys. Your encouragement should be those that God has given you over shepherding responsibilities in, whether it's in your families or it's here in the church or it's in ministry elsewhere, or maybe just people you've discipled along the way. There is nothing more encouraging to me some days when I'm just you know, needing to be encouraged to pick up the phone and call somebody that I had fellowship with in my life to see how they're doing, especially those that maybe God brought into my life where I had an opportunity to influence in some way spiritually. I call them to see how they're, how you doing? Is that encouragement to them? Sure it is. But you know what? It's an encouragement to me. I hear them say, man, I'm still walking with the Lord. I'm still serving. Ah, Man, the Lord's been teaching me this. And that encourages my heart. Those are the things that you and I encourage ourselves in. We're to encourage ourselves in the Lord, but we encourage ourselves also in one another. So Paul says, I'm going to send Timothy to you. That's the kind of unity that Paul's been talking about. Remember, that's part of what he's been encouraging them to do, is to have this unity. And now he's demonstrating that to them by saying, you know what? I am so closely tied to you that my encouragement comes from you. You be so closely tied to one another that your encouragement comes from one another. I've really been enjoying, I said this the other week, I have really, really been enjoying watching you guys fellowshipping after services here. I have. I just encourage you to keep on doing it. Because you know what? As you do that, you're going to encourage your own souls. God will use your interactions with each other in fellowship with one another, whether it's just sitting here and talking over a cup of coffee or it's going out afterwards after church and going down and getting something to eat together and just sitting together and talking about how you're doing in the Lord, what's going on in your lives. God's going to bless that in your lives, and he's going to encourage you in your walk as you hear the reports back from others. So Paul says, that I may be encouraged when I know your state. And then he says, for I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Paul says, you know what? I'm going to send Timothy to you, but this is kind of an interesting statement. Or he says, Timothy's the guy that I'm going to send because I don't have many others that are like-minded like me to send to you that care about you the way I care about you. Paul's saying, they don't, I got people around me, but they don't have the same heart for you that I have. They don't have the same desire for ministry, the same focus for ministry that I have. So I want to send somebody to you that has that same thing. I think it's both a compliment to Timothy in that he's faithful. He's a faithful servant. He's a like-minded servant. That's a compliment to Timothy. But at the same time, it's also a sad commentary on the state of the believers, even in the first century church. You know, sometimes those of us in ministry can complain about, you know, that we just don't, there are no workers. There's no people who have the same heart we have for ministry. Guess what? It was the same way in the first century church. You would think that around the Apostle Paul, he'd have a ton of people with the same heart and mind. But he's saying, I don't. There's only a couple. But should we be surprised at that? 
Because, I mean, wasn't it even Jesus who said the same thing to be true in his own ministry? He said in Matthew 9, verse 37 and 38, then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, and I got a bunch of laborers I can send out to do it. It's no problem. There's so many of you guys. No. He said, but the laborers are few. The laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. How many people, how many people, tax your memory just a little bit, biblical memory, how many people are together in the upper room before Pentecost? 120. When you think after Jesus' ministry on this earth, three years, that room, they would have needed halls to hold them all. That's not saying there weren't other believers elsewhere. But it's probably pretty representative that it wasn't a huge group. There were lots of people who followed after Jesus. But there were very few who had the same heart, who gathered like this, who were drawn together because of that same unity of spirit with Jesus that were so touched that they had the same heart that Jesus had. That's why Jesus could make a statement even when he was in ministry. And here the multitudes are following him. I guarantee you when this was being said, the multitudes were right there. And he's looking at the disciples and saying, the fields are white to harvest, but the, the laborers are few. There may be a crowd behind me, but they're few. What's he mean by that? Does it mean he couldn't get somebody to go do something? No, he can get people to do things. But people who have the same heart as Jesus, who have the same heart as Jesus to go do things, that's hard to find. And I think that that's the point that Paul's making when he's talking about Timothy. Now, I want to challenge you guys in a very gracious way this morning because it's not a complaint. I don't have anything to say to you that I'm saying subtly, but I want this to be a challenge to you. Because like any local body, we're any local body, and the truth is, Scripture truth is Scripture truth. The harvester, the, the fields are white for the harvest, the laborers are few. There are few who are like-minded in ministry, even in great churches, and this is the challenge to you. Ask yourself this question, am I faithfully committed and like-minded enough that those in ministry, those in leadership, even here in this local body, could call on me for help? Could I be one that could be trusted with it, that, that, that those in leadership already know that my heart is like theirs on them? Oh, we may not agree on everything. We may not be like-minded on every particular point of doctrine, but we're like-minded in heart with Jesus and our commitment to serving him and our commitment to people that we want to be used of the Lord and we have that same under-shepherding heart for the people. Could I be counted on to be called upon to go? Or am I so wrapped up in my own affairs that I can't be of any use in the things of Christ that really matter? You know, to be usable, to be usable like this, like Timothy is, like those that Jesus sought after, you have to be available to Jesus. You have to be available to him. Listen, Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, verse, beginning in verse 59, Luke 9, beginning in verse 59, then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Do you understand the point of that statement that Jesus is making in the interaction he's having with these people? What he's saying, there are a lot of people who will show enthusiasm for him. Oh, Lord, I'll follow you. I'll go with you. But, but, but. Why is there always a but? 
You know, the moment that there's a but in the statement says that you're not usable. You're not usable to him because you have already put impediments between you and him for your usability to be used of him. Oh, I really see that need. I, I think there's a need. You know, people come over 12 years of ministry. People will come and say, you know what? I've just been observing things here in the fellowship. We really need this. This particular area of ministry is just, there's people who really need this. You guys know what my response is. Oh, praise the Lord. You want to do that? Well, no, but, you know, but I think that's, you know, somebody, the Lord has something. I, can't, I don't have the time. Okay. You just said, I'm not usable. You just said, I'm not usable. Jesus says, look, if you're going to follow me, follow me. If you're going to be, be, want to be used of me, then, then follow me and lay your life down and be used of me. Don't put all the impediments in between. To be usable, you have to be a, a man or a woman who's more concerned with his things than your things. Paul says this here. The problem is he doesn't have a lot of people because they're all seeking their own and not the things which are Christ Jesus. You'd think that would be a statement for today, but Paul's saying it in the early church. There's all these people. He's got to be talking about people around him. He's got to be talking about people he's met in churches, people that he's ministered to, people who are even serving along with him, but they're too concerned about himself. He gets in a fight with John Mark. Do you remember that in the book of Acts? He gets in a fight with John Mark that causes a separation between him and Barnabas. And why is he in it? Because Mark wanted to turn back and go home. And I've often, you know, people say, well, maybe Paul was hard. Maybe he was. Maybe he was frustrated and maybe he wasn't. Maybe Paul was making the point that, you know what, John Mark has a lot of potential, but there's still a but in his relationship with the Lord and his service to the Lord. And what John Mark is after is more about him than it still is about the Lord. That describes a lot of people in the body of Christ today, more concerned with the things of their lives than with his things. And any time the things of your life is taking priority over the things of his, then you're not going to be usable to him. It doesn't mean he won't use you. It just means you're not going to be usable as he would like you to be. Listen, Mark chapter 4, verse 18 talks about the parable of the sower and the seeds. And I know some people look at all these and they say, well, that means that person isn't saved. Well, here's one. I just think that it's talking about the saved person. Mark chapter 4, verse 18. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Does that describe the unsaved person, or does that describe the saved person who's simply unfruitful? But why are they unfruitful? To me, unfruitful means unusable, right? What good is the tree that's not producing fruit? It's not really worth a lot, is it? It's not producing anything. Now, obviously, the tree is worth much to Jesus because he died for that tree, for that person. But their unfruitfulness is making them unproductive for him, unusable by him. But why are they unusable? Because all this stuff around them, the world, the stuff of the world, the cares of their lives, the riches, all these other things just enter in and it chokes out the things that make them usable. I had somebody once who just had lots of potential in ministry. You guys don't know him. Most of you weren't here when I met this person. He and his wife were here for a little while and 
you know, they, they had a lot of potential and, and they just would never come. I mean, they just weren't there. They'd always say, hey, if you need anything, let us know. We'd be glad to help out. But they never came to church. They were never here. And one time we kind of followed up on them and the answer was, well, you know what? I work six days a week. I'm not going to take my day off and go to church. I'm not their judge. I, I don't mean that judgingly. I don't mean that with any heart of condemnation of them. But I will look and say a true fact. And the true fact is stuff of their lives has choked out their usability to the Lord. And like Paul, I would have to say, they're not like-minded who can sincerely care for your souls because they seek their own and not the things that are Christ Jesus. To be usable, you have to be dead to self and alive to Christ, just as Paul first stated in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. That's the key to all of it, isn't it? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul was a very usable man because he held that attitude. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Let that be a challenge to you guys. Let it be a challenge to you guys that Jesus wants to use you. Though The fields are white for the harvest, but the laborers are few. Be part of the few. Be part of the few. Be part of the few because the Lord will use you and he'll use you in ways you can never imagine. And the more you lay down of yourself, the more you lay down of your stuff, the more he will use you and accomplish much through you. Let's finish up. Verse 22, But you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Isn't that beautiful? Paul had such a relationship with Timothy. He says, he's like a son to me. He's so close. You know what that indicates? It means they were so like-minded that they were like family. Shouldn't that be how it is? That we're so like-minded that we just, we know we're family because we're so much alike in the way we think about Jesus, in the way we think about spiritual things, in the way that we relate to the Lord and to one another. And that's what he's saying. And he also says, man, I can send him to you because you know what? He has the qualification that matters most. You know what the qualification is? It isn't a seminary degree. It's not a bunch of experience in ministry. It's none of that. It's proven character. It's proven character. Character, character is, is the key. It's the essential to being a trustworthy servant of the Lord. That's where it rests. In fact, character is the one qualification in Scripture that, that the Bible holds up as, as a true requirement for serving the Lord. Go back and look at how they selected the, the, the early church deacons that were going to wait on tables. Wait on tables, okay? Do that. We say fine men of proven character, fine men of character, full of the Holy Spirit. He, 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 when he talks about overseers in the church, what does he say about overseers in the church? He gives us a list of things that are qualifications by character. That's the qualification for serving the Lord. If you have quality, if you have a, 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 a character, a proven character in the Lord, if that's been developed in you, you are more than qualified to serve the Lord. More than qualified. Because that's what he's looking for. And he says, therefore, I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord. Here he is again. I trust in the Lord. In other words, if the Lord wills, that I myself shall also come shortly. Now, Paul adds that statement to make sure that the Philippians know that he's not just sending Timothy because he doesn't want to come. What he's saying is, hey, as soon as I'm out, I will come, I will come to you guys if the Lord wills. But in the meantime, I'm sending Timothy. Now, that's important, too. Because by sending Timothy, Paul's being a good pastor by teaching them that he's not the only one that can do this. 
Paul's saying, I can't come right now. I'm going to send Tim- I will come, but I'm going to send Timothy to you. And, and you need to treat him with respect because Timothy can minister to you as well as I am. He's like me. He has the same mind. That's an important message for you guys to understand. I don't care what ministry it's in. All of us should be replaceable. If you know how we operate here in this church and you've been here for some time, it is a little different. I know in a lot of churches, the expectation is pastor needs to do everything. And I don't hold that view, not because I'm lazy, but because I don't think it's biblical. I don't think it trains up within the body of Christ, you guys, to minister to one another. You know, prayer, I want to pray for you guys if you have a need. I don't mind praying for you guys, but let me ask you this question. What makes my prayer any special than someone else in the body that you can go to and ask prayer of? Do you want prayer after service and I'm tied up at the back door and you can't get to me? Go over and grab your brother and sister in Christ and say, could a couple of you guys come and pray for me? That's what we're to be doing. I'm not irreplaceable. I'm not the chief shepherd. Okay, the same Jesus who's in me is in you. I'm just an under shepherd serving him. When I go, I am blessed by this. I want you to know that because I've been in, I've seen churches. I was a part of them and I used to do it. Pastor's going on vacation this week. You know what that meant? I wasn't going to church this week because pastor wasn't going to be there. What good is there going to be anyways? Because I go to listen to him. I am so blessed that, that you guys really don't do that here. I am so blessed that when we've had other people fill the pulpit and I try to do it, you guys know I've tried to do that over the years to bring others in and to, to have our own folks raise up a, within the body to do it. I'm so blessed when I call back sometimes from a conference say to Joe, how was it this evening? How was Wednesday night? And Joe will say, hey, we had double what we normally see. Well, okay, what's that mean? They're happy you're gone and they really show up when you're out of here? No, it means exactly what it should mean. And that is, you know what? It's going to be different tonight. It's going to be somebody else, a different perspective. Praise the Lord. We're going to go listen to them. Praise the Lord. And when people come to me and say, yeah, but you know what? I enjoyed them, but they weren't you. And I'm looking and I say, never expected them to be me. And you shouldn't expect them to be me. But they're there to minister to you too. You see, I think if you guys understood that, it would transform ministry in this. It is already happening, but it would really transform it. I want this to be a place where you guys are just ministering to one another because that's what ministry is about. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And if you're in ministry here, you need to be training up others to be able to do what you do. If you're a Sunday school teacher, look for other Sunday school teachers. I mean, work with the ones that are overseeing that area, but I mean, don't go offer it to somebody, you know, because maybe they haven't been here that long or whatever. But you know what? If you know somebody and, and maybe you can invest in them, some say, you know what? This person's interested. I'd love to invest in them. Can I help out with that? And maybe they can come in and you train up others. We used to learn that in the Army. You know, he's trained up your replacement because you didn't know if you'd be alive next year. So you had to have a replacement ready. Which should be the same way in the body of Christ, training up our replacements. You know, I love to hang out with the guys. I love to hang out with the guys. I love taking guys to the pastor's conference, stuff like that, not just to get them off, but because it's an opportunity for me to invest in them and train them up. Who knows? Maybe one of our guys sitting here will one day be the replacement in this pulpit. Who knows? Who knows? 
But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Here Paul's reminding them of somebody else that God can and has used to minister to them. This guy Epaphroditus. And, and Epaphroditus is theirs. Timothy's not. He's an outsider. Epaphroditus, isn't. He's, he's one of theirs. And I think Paul's saying to them, hey, look inside your own body because you've got guys in there that are blessing gems that God has given you. Who's sitting in here, even this morning, that you're blessed by? That's not standing behind this pulpit, but you're blessed by them. And you can honestly say, you know what? They've had a ministry to me here. They've impacted me. They touch my life. Every time I talk to them, I'm so blessed. They encourage me. They, they've prayed for me. They've been there for me. Think about the gems that God has placed in this body, and he's creating more as time goes by. Praise the Lord for that. I believe there's nobody better sometimes to minister to you than somebody within this congregation. Verse 26, since he, was going, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick, for indeed he was sick almost unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I send him the more eagerly, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Apparently, Epaphroditus became sick while he was delivering the message to Paul on behalf of the Philippian believers. And they were worried about him. Tells you about their love for this guy. And now Paul's saying, but good news. He's healthy. He's coming back to you. He's coming back. Praise the Lord. And then he says in verse 29, Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem. Because of for the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Wow. Paul takes advantage of the concern for Aphrodite's health by, by turning it around to get them thinking about the treasury of ministry that God has given them in this guy. How here's another one, just like Paul, who is willing to let his life be poured out for them and on behalf of them to Paul. He almost died serving the body by serving Paul. And Paul's saying, man, you need to, you need to hold guys like this in esteem. You need to hold them in esteem. Let me just... We're, Closing on this. I think this is the third time I said that, right? Okay. Paul's going to do it in the next chapter, just so you know that. And in closing, but he's still two chapters away. But I want to say this to you. Those who are serving in ministry, and I, I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about those who are serving in ministry to you in the body of Christ, whether it's here, especially here. You need to hold them in esteem. doesn't mean you should put them on a pedestal. It doesn't mean you should look at them as better than you or somehow more spiritual than you. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying you should hold them in esteem. Hold them in esteem for the service that they're giving to you, for what they're doing for you. And I say that because, and not necessarily here, but that's the tendency in the body of Christ. You know what it is? It's to gripe about those that are placed there to minister to us. They're not doing it well enough. They don't teach my kids well enough. They don't do this. You know, why are they so critical? Why, why, boom, 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 boom. And that happens. Leaders get devoured. Ask people who've been in ministry before. They get devoured by the body of Christ. And there are people today, the, the burnout rate in ministry, I don't care whether it's just in lay ministry or in pulpit ministry, but the burnout rate is extremely high. And, and people leave the ministry. People leave the paid ministry more times not because of a fall in some moral area, but they leave because they can't handle the criticisms of the people. It just becomes too much for them. 
God bless you guys. I love you guys. And I love your attitude because you guys are loving to me. You really are. You've been loving to me. You've been loving to my wife and my family. You guys have been loving to me, and I see you loving on others in ministry. Don't stop. Don't stop doing that. Because God has placed them here, and they're pouring out themselves for you. Maybe they're not doing it the way you would do it or handling it the way you would handle it, but the truth is they're doing what God has called them to do to the best that they can do it. They're imperfect servants. I'm an imperfect servant. Where we're being imperfect, pray for us. That's holding us in esteem. It is hold us in esteem when you get before the Lord on your knees and you lay before him and say to him, you know what, I love these people in ministry in my church. I pray for them. Lord, help them. Help them to serve better. Help them to serve in these areas better. Help them to meet needs. Help them, Lord. That's holding in esteem. Hold in esteem, he says. You know, when it deals with under-shepherds, you know, and now I will talk about those who are in pulpit ministry. Here's what Hebrews says in Hebrews 13, 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. You know, obviously the writer of Hebrews had to write that because that apparently was an issue that needed to be addressed that they, they weren't receiving, they weren't responding to, they were treating without esteem those who were placed over them. But you know what? I'm not here for my own gain. Pastor Joe's not here for his own gain. If we wanted to do things for our own gain, we'd go find employment someplace else. We're here because the Lord's called us to be here. And because we love you guys, and we love your souls. We love your souls. There isn't a moment that goes by that I'm not looking to guard you guys against things. That's why I get myself embroiled sometimes on Facebook when I shouldn't. Facebook's an awful place. It just is. People say things, you just want to... And I'm just one of those guys that can't help saying something when somebody says something. It's like Cindy says, you don't have to say everything to everything. I know, but I can't stop. But you know, the truth is, most of the time when I do it, it's not because I'm offended by something. It's because I'm thinking about you guys. I'm thinking about, well... If they read this, they might not understand this. And I want to share something that will help protect them. I do that for people who aren't here who I know. Because I care for your souls. The Lord didn't have to put that burden on me. I care for your souls. Joe cares for your souls. Those the Lord will raise up to teach your kids, they care for the souls of your kids. Hold them in esteem. Love them. If they've offended you, tell them. Tell them that they have. But love them as you do and pray for them. And where they haven't offended you and, and everything's right, then hug them and thank them. But bless them, but bless them by receiving what they're doing for you and growing in your own life. Because that will be the greatest way you can hold anybody in ministry in esteem. It's by yielding to what God is doing in your life so that you can be a changed life and we can see fruit in your life and like Paul, we can rejoice in that good report and what we see happening. Amen? Well, we just made a message out of a transition. But you know what? Every word, right? Every word of Scripture is for us. And God had this for us this morning. So why don't you stand? Let's pray. Next week, we'll break into chapter 3. 
Thank you for joining us for another episode of Journey in the Word, a verse-by-verse teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Cumberland Valley. If you would like to listen to more teachings or find out more information about us, go to www.journeyintheword.org. That's www.journeyintheword.org. Thanks again for listening. We hope you'll tune in for our next episode as we continue our Journey in the Word.